Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of our Business in Focus podcast. I'm Emily Khan, a director here at PwC and I'm your host for this episode. In this episode we'll explore why now is the right time to reset on how we look at risk, the new or altered challenges and opportunities to consider and why a collaborative approach could be the way forward. After 18 months of uncertainty our Rethink Risk research shows a strong case for a new approach to risk. To bring the issues to life today, I'm joined by two people who've been instrumental to the research, Stephanie Bruce and Dr. Jonathan Gillam. Stephanie is Chief Financial Officer at Aberdeen PLC and Chair of our Research Steering Group. She's been doing a valuable job of chairing a group of leaders from all industries to challenge us to think differently about the risk landscape and how we should approach it. Dr. Jonathan Gillam is our Chief Economist here at PwC UK and his team have led the thinking on what the economic outlook tells us about where we might be headed and the risks and opportunities these scenarios present. A very warm welcome to both of you, fantastic to have you here today. Um, perhaps to get us going you could introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about why this topic is of interest to you. Stephanie would you like to go first? Hello Emily uh, and Jonathan, great to be speaking with you today. I think for me, if I reflect back on uh, on the last period, there has been so many superlatives used since since March 2020. And I think a much used descriptor when we're in the risk arena has been uncertainty. And I think we can all agree that we have navigated this period of significant uncertainty. Um, but in doing so, we have demonstrated great resilience in, in addressing the what's really in effect being the compound effect of two particular risk drivers and um, those being sort of managing health and safety across our workforces families society together with mitigating as much as possible um, uh, the impact of the adverse economic conditions that then also kind of came to bear both on businesses and individuals and for me as, as, as we move forward post this sort of I suppose really this first phase of COVID the, these drivers will change again and are going to create quite different consequences. Um, and those consequences will be both direct and indirect for the risk arena. And therefore, it seems to me very important that we consider and evaluate this next phase. And on that basis, it's actually very hard for me to be anything other than very interested in, in this whole topic uh, that, that you've set out here on rethinking risk. Well, it's been fantastic to have your input to to that thinking and, and really great to have you here today. Jonathan, would you like to uh, to share your introduction? Thanks very much, Emily. So risk is very important in my world because, as Stephanie's already mentioned, there's been a huge amount of uncertainty in the economy. But I think what often gets lost in the discussion and the narrative around risk is the cause and effect relationship. People understand that uncertainty brings a drag to the economy. It creates uncertainty, particularly for, in, for investors or businesses that want to grow or businesses that want to perhaps do more trade overseas. But the key issue, I think, is connecting the sort of vague understanding of, well, there's uncertainty in the economy into outcomes. So what does that actually mean? How does this uncertainty actually really translate itself through the economy. Thanks, Jonathan. And we've been talking to a lot of business leaders about this being a moment in time to reassess the risks and opportunities that uncertainty presents. Um, Jonathan, you and I have been working together on combining a, a short and a long-term view to do some kind of predicting, as it were. So maybe I could come to you first to share some of that thinking about how the long-term economic scenarios are beginning to play out in the short term and, and where you think organisations should be focusing where they, they do this rethinking risk that we're talking about? 
where we focus this piece of analysis is in terms of the economic impact. So if you think in terms of GDP, productivity, job creation, and we've broken that down into four scenarios where we've looked at particular types of risks on the labor market, on the consumer, on international trade, and also how that interacts with the government. There's big change ahead in the labor market, particularly in terms of digitalization and automation around um, labor supply shortages. Consumer preferences are changing. Um, people are shopping in different ways. They're buying more stuff online, but they're also far more locally conscious. They're also far more focused on the, the ESG side of things and where, where the products are coming from and the, and the ethics associated with that. International trade has obviously contracted quite substantially as a result of the pandemic, but that was a pattern that was actually preceding the pandemic and supply chains were becoming shorter as capabilities in terms of manufacturing production in particular started to grow around the world and uh, countries started to converge and upskill um, their workers. And government has a huge role to play in all of this. It, it needs to help repair a lot of the economic inequality that's occurred as part of the, the pandemic. And so it can't do that without money. And it's, it's a very difficult time for, for government in terms of reducing public services. It probably is under quite a bit of pressure, particularly here in the UK, to actually be spending more to support um, many of the, 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 the public sector workers that have worked tirelessly to support us through the pandemic. So that creates challenges then on, on the tax front because the government needs to balance the books. So our, our programme of research has tried to connect the dots on some of these critical issues and highlight what they might actually mean for businesses today. Stephanie, I'd be interested in your, your take on this. Clearly, you've got responsibility for risk at an organisational level in your role, but also in your, your career experience. How do some of those trends Jonathan's just talked about us exploring play out in terms of tangible areas of action and focus? When you go to those sort of four categories that Jonathan highlighted, that they're really a, they're, they're the consequences that we're now facing into, and therefore they absolutely play out, and, and some more than others directly in, in, in the business corporate world in terms of labour and skill, skills um, changes, shortages in some areas, but certainly changes. Um, and, I, and I think the key, the key point around consumer preferences is, is very, very current because obviously it drives the growth agenda. But um, I think the other thing I'd also say is that um, we've almost got to sometimes almost lift ourselves back out of only thinking about COVID type risks. We know, for example, there's very significant, uh, sorry, increase in very much more the significant level of cyber attacks, um, not to mention the, the actual increasing impact and volume of, of climate events. Uh, and, and also, of course, more broadly, the increased social unrest that we're seeing, which is very much going to drive societal uh, change um, and a demand for societal change a, a, across a, a number of different communities. Um, I think the other thing I, I would also reflect on is that the consequences of um, 
that you know the expected economic recovery and the conditions that Jonathan's referred to will actually also be experienced quite differently by different uh, different groups at different paces at different phases and obviously in different geographies will, will have an impact and therefore the response that we should expect to see out of of that fourth um, area that Jonathan highlighted in terms of government, I think we can also anticipate will be will be different, will be varied, and they may feel very uh, very nationalistic. The way different organisations and forums will respond uh, to that volatility will will inevitably will be different. Really, it sort of boils down to sort of three key principle drivers that 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 I see coming out of of the consequences technology and how it drives both risk and opportunity. Uh, the political dynamic, which very much feeds uh, Jonathan's sort of fourth cohort there around government, and, and that's really national and global drive. Um, and then the, the societal uh, drivers that I referred to earlier, and really what the role of the state will be for, for all the reasons that Jonathan's just said. They've, they've got a lot of difficult uh, um, positions and uh, to, to, to try to manage. And therefore, the rethinking of risk for me is, is really about how we've got the series and suite of actions, uh, which we will have to continue to be agile in how we think about them to manage both those direct and indirect consequences, uh, which will which will inevitably continue to change. And that point about how they affect organisations differently, I think is really important. Um, and it chimes with the pandemic that we saw, we saw it manifest in different ways for different groups, but that everybody had to respond somehow. And there's some parallels between between that and some of these issues that we're talking about, that they're big systemic risks. They require ecosystems to work together in a different way to respond to them. You know, you, you reference their cyber threats. That's something that, that's affecting us all. And, it, you know, we talk here at PwC a lot about building a secure digital society being something we have a, a collective responsibility for. Jonathan, I know in, in your research you've you've been thinking about some some of those shared challenges, some things that we need to work across organizational boundaries on. Maybe you could bring a couple of those to life for us for us to explore in a bit of detail together now. So often when we talk about risks, there's opportunities that are attached to them, but only if the risks are addressed properly. So if we talk about the opportunity for upskilling, you know, that could boost GDP by around 6.5 trillion by 2030. It could really help the global economy overcome some of the negative consequences, negative economic consequences of the pandemic. But how do, how do, how do you get to grips with that? So it does require significant training and it does require perhaps universities, higher education, institutes to actually change perhaps the offer that they're actually giving to people who are enrolled in their systems. But to do that, that requires collaboration between businesses in terms of making clear what they actually need and the type of skills, the, the government to actually help provide funding for, for, for those courses, the university system itself or the higher education system to be actually be able to provide those courses. And then also workers being, being given the flexibility and the opportunity to actually properly engage. And also, you know, we, we need to dispel some of the myths. A lot of the new technology that, that is coming in, in in the area of artificial intelligence, virtual reality, drones, 
whatever it might be. Those technologies, they're not necessarily replacing people's jobs. What they're doing is enhancing people's productivity. It's giving them an opportunity to learn new skills, to, to engage with this technology, and actually um, make, perhaps make their jobs more interesting and more dynamic and more exciting. But unless that engagement happens, then there could be quite substantial consequences for socio-economic inequality, for economic activity moving away from where, where people live, and that could lead to, to, to more localised job losses. And that, another area where we've looked into is supply chains. The, the trend of globalisation, while, while still progressing in many senses, has perhaps been moving more towards regional trading blocks. So with trends like that very prevalent, what, what we're starting to see is more reshoring um, and, and CEOs actually seeing these as, as, as permanent changes, so structural changes to, to business operation. And with those trends in mind, businesses need to think about, well, how is that actually going to start to affect my cost base? Because they need to build that resilience now into their supply chains because really that is what consumers are expecting they're hoping for it builds brand trust um, without that understanding without that resilience that can start to restrict consumer choice and that can knock directly into into sales Thanks, Jonathan. Stephanie, I'm, I'm conscious that you've been leading the discussions we've been having with leaders from across a range of industries about these shared challenges. Perhaps you could share your reflections on, on how organisations could tackle them. COVID has accelerated some, some of those uh, activities that we already had seen starting to happen, and, and particularly in terms of, of skills gaps and training that, that Jonathan's referred to. Training is going to be absolutely critical and there needs to be uh, a collaboration in terms of the the education uh, authorities and, and the private sector in terms of what are the needs and how are they going to be met um, I think there's definitely optimism that because of the acceleration that communication should now actually um, happen more effectively that, than it had been uh, doing so in the past I, I think um, a combination of actually people understanding um, very acutely now the impact or, or on supply chains, as Jonathan has said, really at a practical level, but also thinking about actually how those may well be disrupted uh, again in the future because of more national political decisions that are taken. Organisations are much more aware of actually having to understand the different trajectories of different stimulus packages, uh, because whilst they might be skewed to a particular skill set or a sector at this point in time um, and that can be really positive it can create a great opportunity it can also create a real challenge in sourcing if they are changed uh, quickly and they can be changed quickly in order to achieve a policy objective the recent uh, sudden implementation in uh, in China of regulations relating to private education companies for example where you know in a very short period of time the, you know the, the 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 whole landscape was changed um, uh, which therefore has consequences. It has consequences for, for equity stocks in that particular arena, but it also had consequences for those who were in that supply chain uh, supporting those private education companies. And I think it's being more able and, uh, to be agile and to A, to understand some of those changes that are coming, but then to be able to, to respond to those. And there, I think there's much greater awareness now as well of the other regulatory changes that again have exist, have been possible levers 
drivers in um, but are now more likely to be used in terms of national and, and global uh, agendas and those are such things as antitrust policies limiting fintech companies on on how they control their growth as they move into regulated sectors uh, and of course raising requirements uh, on wages and social security to provide additional tax receipts again which we've obviously seen in the UK. Um, businesses are very aware of, of the need to, to to monitor and to actually think about that um, at you know the the agile response that they will they will bring to play. Another part that I think also comes through is uh, discussions in terms of the industry leaders was that actually the social landscape had also changed as a result of of technology almost overnight uh, as everybody moved to to remote working and initially that you know that had impacts for uh, just just how the workforce force uh, w- w- was going to operate but but as Jonathan referred there actually longer term it may well create quite different um, operational and, and social uh, economic risks that we haven't necessarily dealt with before um, but there's definitely a real sense that very careful communication is required by 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 organizations for their employees to help them understand that um, it's not necessarily all about job reduction or cost management it's about changing the style of the job and actually allowing uh, employees to operate in a different way and and that's going to require quite careful communication and encouragement so that real key talent is in fact uh, retained engaged uh, and motivated Uh, and that's again probably something that has been very much accelerated uh, in in terms of remote working moving to blended working hybrid working uh, but making sure that the the engagement with employees has has moved uh, forward quite um, quite considerably I think in a relatively short period. Thanks, Stephanie. And and you've really brought to life in that answer just how wide ranging the discussions have been via Rethink Risk and and all the different themes that it draws together. Conscious that we've tried to cover all of that very quickly in the conversation today and we're we're almost out of time, but listeners can delve into that research uh, online very soon. Um, one of the things that we try and do on these podcasts is get into kind of practical advice. And that's that's a pretty challenging uh, bridge from where we've been dealing with these quite broad topics. But I'm going to put that challenge to you. If you could give our listeners um, one or two pieces of really practical advice faced with this landscape that we've been discussing today, what would those be? Jonathan, I'm, I'm going to come to you first, if I may, for a couple of pieces of practical advice for people that are thinking about this after listening to this discussion. I I think what's become very apparent through the research that we've been doing is that risks can combine both in the short and the long term. And so just trying to unpick that in in your risk register. So we've we've spoken a lot about the need to upskill, the need for retraining. And so how does that affect your, your business in the short term? How does it affect that in the long term? The long term training opportunities and and the advancement of of technology will be quite different to what you need to understand over the next 12 18 months so try to put that 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 separation in place another area where we find more and more clients engaged with is the use of data and analytics to actually better understand the likelihood of risk occurrence what we've seen recently is very sort of high impact, but risks manifesting themselves on on the economy and businesses and society 
but risks that perhaps people would, would have thought would have been very low probability, perhaps once in a lifetime events. And you know, that's a very traditional way to construct a risk register. But practically, you know, understanding you know, more about that probability of the risks occurring and using data and analytics to really underpin a solid evidence base, I think is where we've started to see businesses sort of start to take real advantage and like I say, turn those risks into opportunities. Thanks, Jonathan. How about you, Stephanie? What would you add to those suggestions? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, if I, I referred just um, previously about the, the need for monitoring. And I think if you think about the last 18 months, the big corporate agenda has all been about resilience in terms of getting through day by day and making sure that uh, the, the the organizations uh, come out the other side of the pandemic. And, and let's be honest, largely most companies have done that really, really effectively. Um, I think it's really important that monitoring um, continues because it really does two things. I think it's going to enable our readiness to respond to the next phase of the volatility that, that that we've highlighted, I think today in this discussion, but I think also it does actually enable it, it, the almost the creative and collaborative thinking within an organisation. And the one thing we've really learned through, uh, sorry, one one particular thing we've learned through the pandemic is actually this need for collaboration that Jonathan's referred to earlier. So between organisations, and actually if we can monitor quickly enough and look at those risk indicators, it, it can be actually quite powerful to think actually how are we going to operate between uh, organisations? Because the more that we can harness the power of the talent that we all have in our organizations and the power of the technology to address these risks, it will be a, a much more successful uh, position. And, and, and frankly, we all want to be successful in delivering to customers, managing our service providers and, and the supply chains. Um, and I think regardless of whether it's public or private domain, we, 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 want, we want to be in, in strong uh, and positions of strength to ensure that we meet the future shocks uh, and there will be more, uh, and, and also, but also at the same time progress um, to, to long-term prosperity. There's a couple of really practical points just to, to, your, to your question, Emily. I think if you if you think back um, uh, around how we've operated, um, I, I would really advocate advocate harnessing the sort of all the lessons we've learned on how agile we can be, on about how we think and how we execute. Uh, we've just been through an event that up until now had only ever really existed in stress tests or, as Jonathan referred, in risk registers, um, and and we've proved we can be resilient. So I mean, it, it's quite clear that risk identification and management is a is a core strategic priority, um, and it the the, the real benefit is if we can harness the sort of creative ability to address the issues uh, and to drive the action. And then finally, I, I would really commend that that um, if we can capture the speed and the pace that we have shown in a whole different sort of organisationally in the public sector on, on how we make decisions, um, I think that will be really powerful. I mean, risk management should be current and, and it really benefited, has benefited in this period from harnessing a, a much quicker speed, uh, a, a much better style of responsiveness and decision making. Uh, and I think that would be really powerful to take forward. Thanks so much, Stephanie. And thanks to both of you. And, and everything that you've just said really chimes with the themes that have come through in the research and the Rethink Risk Agenda for Action um, that we are sharing. Um, that is it for today and this episode of Business in Focus. Stephanie, Jonathan, thank you both so much for joining us for that fascinating conversation. And of course, thank you to everyone for listening. 
If this conversation has got you thinking about how you can rethink risk, please do visit our website at pwc.co.uk forward slash rethink risk, where you can find out more about the research we've discussed today and a whole host of practical insights on how to approach risk. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with future episodes. Thanks, everyone. Please do join us again soon. Thank you.